So we are a couple days out from Christmas, so I hope that your shopping is all done or your Amazon packages are on the way and can be on your porch when you get home, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but anymore, I do a lot more shopping online than I do at the store, but it sure makes it a lot easier, but you do sort of look out on your porch and it's like, we better get here pretty soon. But and it can be just... A, yeah. <laughs> Those are mine. I know it. <laughs> But it is a busy time of year, is it not? Mm -hmm. Shopping, decorating, baking, visiting with family. We had a wonderful Christmas lunch last week. I hope, I hope most of you here were able to be a part of it. And I just want to say thank you again to all the hands and the, yeah, and the hearts of the people that put that together that made it possible from just setting up all the table. I mean, some of the behind the scenes yeah. things takes a lot of time, organizing the food, bringing the food, setting it up, cleaning it. Thank you to Brosies again for providing all that wonderful main yeah, course yeah. to it. And then there was the cleanup and the teardown, you know, and I thought after we were here till about 2.30, right. some of us at the end, and it was amazing by the time we left, the place looked like you would never have known this big lunch party had taken place Correct. in there. Just everybody did their part to clean and put it back in order. And this is really what we love in so many ways about the heart of this church, because so many of you are willing to do that. Take your time to serve, use your gifts to bless people, other people. Right. Here at the church and even at McQuiston, like we did that that outreach yeah. to the to bless the kids that are in need, you know, the parents that would have a maybe a hard time at Christmas. And the teachers were just thrilled about it. They were so thankful mm. to have to be able to give these gifts to the kids and bless them. So they had something really nice for Christmas. Pretty but, awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. It's just you know, one of the things that we have here at Community Life Church is that we have a group of people that volunteer. We call it Team Life, Team Life, T-E-A-M. And you've heard this before, in the word team, there is no I. And it's, it's really true. And Pastor Mamie and I are continually uh, amazed at what gets accomplished by people of like heart, a servant heart that, uh, you know, work together to a place where, just like we said, we just had this huge uh, luncheon here, and then by the time we left, you wouldn't have been able to tell that there was a luncheon here. It was just ready to go for the next event. And, uh, you know, we're just amazed at such a small group of people that do so much. It, it's, it's really the heart issue, because the kingdom of God is all about the heart issue. And what we are able to accomplish, and even on a, a, a small budget, really, we are able to do so much. And what happens is because of your servant heart and the love uh, that God has, you experience God's love. His, the Bible says that his love has been shed abroad in your heart. And that means he's loaded you up with love. Amen? And what happens is that you express this so well that you make Community Life Church a place that is really welcoming. It, it, you come in here and you can't help but get energized by the love and the spirit of Christ that we all bring here. It, it's amazing because it's, it's by rubbing elbows with one another, we've created friendships. 
I mean, real friendships. And there's, you've said it, we've heard it before that, you know, sometimes our spiritual family is, is closer than our, our physical family, mm -hmm. our, our bloodline, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's the fellowship that we all share in Christ that we're expressing toward one another that really does make this place a place that you really want to come to. I've said it over and over that, oh my gosh, I'd come to this church even if I wasn't the pastor because you walk in here and you can experience the love of God. You really can. And what we've, we've discovered, wouldn't it be a surprise, that some of these very basic things that we're actually doing here is found in the Bible. Imagine that. In the Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is, really gives you an overview of what the early church was like. The early church, they, they really zeroed in on three things. Very simple, very basic, but it really built the church. And that's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You probably have it highlighted in your Bible. The number one thing, it says that they, were, they really devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which would be the Word of God. And they, what, what else does it say there? Fellowship with one another, the breaking of bread, which we did just last Sunday, mm -hmm. and then the, the communion, that they share the communion, and then they put it together and prayer. And uh, there's two times that we have prayer. Uh, and really avail yourself to prayer. It come because you're going to hear a testimony January 5th about the power of prayer. Yeah. And you want to be able to pray a prayer of faith, amen? And so the only way you're going to be able to do that is there's an Andrew Murray book. It's called The School of Prayer. And what is it? The School of Prayer is just do it. So you thought Nike came up with that. <laughs> it was Andrew Murray. <laughs> but the early church put themselves, they devoted themselves to these simple priorities, and it strengthened the church. It caused the church to grow. And what we want to do is build upon these, these three principles, these things, for 2020. Because I believe that what it's going to do is going to strengthen you in your walk with God. It'll strengthen your family. It will strengthen this church. It will help us to herald out the good news to this community. Because you know as well as I do, people need to hear the good news. They need to hear that Jesus Christ came to save, to heal, and to live, to deliver. Amen? Amen. And this is what we're going to celebrate coming up here. Do you know that Jesus existed before he was born on this earth? Okay, just wanted to let you know. You know, and here's another thing I'm going to let you know. I've told Pastor Ben that I'm going to ask him to start asking the kids in each classroom when they're done, when you get together and you're on the way home, I want the kids to ask you, what did you learn today? And we're telling you to ask them what they learned. Now the tables get turned. And then, uh -huh, okay, were you listening, Dad? <laughs> were you listening, Mom? Well, one of the things that 15 years with this church, many, many people's lives have been changed. Families have been changed. Eternities have been changed. People have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. And they're blessed for all eternity. It's, it's, and it's not just because of Pastor Mamie and I. It's this church family. Like we said before, you, you make it happen. We're the body of Christ. We need each other. Mm -hmm. 
And it brings a holy habitation of God when we're together. Yes. Amen? Amen. The church, this church wants people to know God. I mean to know, not know about God. We want them to know God. Because God is a God who reveals himself. And that relationship comes through only one person. And that's through Jesus Christ. And to get to know him. And then coming to a place of realization that, you know what? I want to know God. And then I'm going to find my purpose in Christ. You know, it's not your purpose. It's his purpose for your life. There's a difference. Because somebody could have, this is my purpose, and you're going to find out at the end of your life that that was the wrong purpose, and you wasted your entire life doing it. We don't want that to happen to you. Amen? And then when we get together like this, just like what we said, now we're together, we, we, we're getting to know God. We're discovering purpose, purpose, and then we're going to experience life, eternal life. You know, eternal life is here and now. It's not just when we die and go to heaven. You can experience eternal life in the here and now. Yeah. And the best is yet to come, amen? amen. <laughs> Let's move forward. <laughs> Very basic things. Give yourself over to the Word. Devote yourself to the Word. Then the fellowship with one another. The breaking of bread. The communion. And then give yourself over to prayer. Your life will change. Yeah. Your life will absolutely change. Amen. Well, that was a good message. Are we all <laughs> wondering, are we going to talk about why God chose shepherds? <laughs> that was really good. God's good. Amen. Yeah, I like that. That was really good. So why did God choose shepherds? We're going to segue into this <laughs> part of the message. Last week, we talked about why God chose Mary. If you were here last week, today we're going to look at why did God choose shepherds to reveal himself to the world, to reveal his son to the world. You know, and many of us have these nativity scenes oh, that get set up. How many of you have a nativity scene in your house? Something that gets set up every year. We've got one outside. We've got one here. outside, yeah. two on the inside. Well, we have one at our house outside, one of those big white ones where you shine a spotlight on it. Mm -hmm. and just like the kind that's out here, only a little bit smaller. And, you know, often parents have a kid's version. Every year we get out of the pieces. Sometimes, if, you know, if you have kids, it's like, where are all the pieces? <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you have a cow mixed in instead of sheep. You know, from the farm set because somebody threw the sheep down the toilet or something. You know, <laughs> but we put out all the pieces of the nativity scene. You got Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, and you have your wise men. And and yes, we know that the wise men, just like <laughs> Jason said, likely they weren't there at Jesus's birth. But it makes for a nice nativity scene. <laughs> Nevertheless, the wise men did come to see Jesus. Amen. But uh, we're not going to get into that right now. But, you know, the, the, the whole thing with a nativity scene, and you get this stuff out every year, and you set it out, and it can just become familiar, especially as the years go by, if you've done this year after year after year after year. And it does seem like the push of the season for Christmas comes earlier and earlier every year. I mean, it used to be that when November came, and you might see a Christmas tree somewhere, it was like, wait, we haven't had Thanksgiving yet. And now it's like, September, forget about Halloween and everything well, else that gets right. celebrated. It's like in September, you're at Sam's Club. It's like, what? A decorated Christmas tree? And, 
And so with the push of the season and the repetition of it, yep. it just seems like I feel like sometimes I'm, and if you're like me, like you keep, do you like to keep certain things out longer? Christmas is over, January comes, February comes. It's like, hey, this red still fits in with Valentine's Day. And, you know, it's like March. And then I feel like I just put this away and I'm getting it back out again. How many of you feel like that sometimes? No, no, nobody, just me. Okay, but, <laughs> but you do feel like the repetition of it presents a problem and the familiarity of it presents a problem because you can feel like I just go through the motions of this every year and I'm not really thinking like the, the, right. it, the season loses its power to affect our hearts because there's just so much to do. It's like I put out in the nativity, okay, everything's in its place, I check that off and I'm on mm. to the next thing that I feel like I have to do. And I know some of you feel like that, don't, do you not? And so it, in, it's a special season for us to just pause in. And this is why coming together, like what you were saying about gathering with your, your people. Right, your people. That we are a set-apart people. We are the body of Christ. We, above all people, if you call yourself a Christian, should desire to come together during this season and say, this is the most holiest, greatest, most beautiful time of the year. Amen. And why? Because we just have to, we cannot just get so familiar with his birth that we don't process and really interpret what it is and who it is and why we celebrate and why we should pause and take time to do it. We, and, we need to get our eyes fixed on the living yeah. Jesus. It's, it's not just all the pieces are all set up really nice and neat here. You know, we have to put ourselves in the story itself. You know, well, if you were a shepherd, would you have gone? Or, or if you were Mary, you know, oh, yeah. you know, not just the neat figure of Mary kneeling there, you know. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be great? Everything had to be so glorious for Mary. Well, no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we found out about her last week. You know, it's a r roller coaster ride for her. There's a lot of ups. There's a lot of downs. There's, but one of the things that we discovered last week is that Mary was willing to trust God even in all the mystery. Yeah. That's really important for us to understand. You know... <laughs> She had to trust God for the, for the known and the unknown. It was right to a place where she was willing to pay the price of trusting God's promises and then walking out the will of God. And not everybody's willing to do that, and you know that as well as I do. Yeah. They're just not willing to pay the price. Because, you know, Jesus said one time, he said, count the cost. He didn't say it was all going to be fun and easy. As a matter of fact, he said, you're going to have trouble. He said, the whole world going to hate you because of my name. Uh, so we, we get this idea of Christianity. Everything's going to fall in place. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to be a nativity set. <laughs> Did you notice the halo? <laughs> <laughs> if my mom was here, she would say, I saw those little horns. <laughs> but today we're going to look at the shepherds. And the key is, is why did God choose shepherds? It's really amazing. But, you know, we said put yourself in this story. The truth is you are part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. You're part of the story. You're the reason for the birth. 
You're the reason for the death. You're the reason for the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You are part of the story. It's pretty cool. It really is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Yes. Yes, thank you, God. This is enough to worship him. And I'm telling you, when we're in heaven... It's, it's going to be somebody's going to just drop to their knees and start worshiping. And guess what? The whole place is going to just scream out in worship. That's why it says in Revelation, the sound of many waters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. It gives you goosebumps right now. <laughs> so what we need to do is focus on what the season is. The real reason for the season Yes, it's fun to give gifts. Yes, it's fun to decorate the house. And I want those Christmas lights up until March. <laughs> April, <laughs> May. Can we stretch it to June? <laughs> Got to change the timer and have them come on later. Yeah, get yeah. that fixed. <laughs> but we've got to come to understand. Let's get uh, and ask God for a fresh revelation of the story. Because we don't want it to become mundane. We sang a song today that brought tears to my eyes. It, it's, it's this babe in this cloth is the incarnate word of God. Yeah. I mean, seriously, think of that. It's the, he's the incarnate word of God. Think of this. All of kingdom's power is resting on this child. Think of that. We need fresh revelation of who we are and what Jesus did for us so that we fall deeper in love with him, that we could be like that early church, that we devote ourselves to the word of God, to gathering together, to prayer. This is really what's going to make a difference. So let's pray and ask God to help us today. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to open our hearts. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice this morning. We want you to write upon our hearts, the tablet of our hearts. We want you to write on our mind. We ask you to make the story of Jesus' birth and the salvation he brings to all mankind. We want it to live big in our hearts. We, we just are desiring for fresh revelation. And Lord Jesus, you have the power to change lives. You have the power to change hearts forever. And we want you to change our lives. We want to have a life that brings you glory and honor. And most of all, Lord, we want to be like the people. uh, We want to respond like the people that were at your birth. Not only did they bow their knee and worship you but they went out and told others about you. We want to be those same type of people. So we ask you for revelation knowledge. Come and do what you can only do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to begin by reading the account of Jesus' birth, and it comes from Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 20. So only part of it is on your outline. So we'll just kind of follow along. 
with me here. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Mm. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and, and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what was been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now this story, you know, is beautiful in so many ways. There's so many things to see in this story, especially what it reveals about the heart of God as far as the way and path to finding salvation and how he would present salvation to the world and even then how he presents salvation to us mm -hmm. today in 2019. I mean, when you read this story, like just consider the, the humility, the great humility of God in this scene. Like to step away, Jesus, like you said, he's always was, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world to step away from the eternal glories of heaven. We can't even imagine what that's like, right. but just try to imagine it. Perfection, beauty, paradise, eternal glory, sinlessness. A place where he des deserves and receives right. respect and honor and worship. And then to be willing to lay that aside, to lay aside his rightful privilege as God, and to take on weak human flesh. <clears throat> I don't know that any of us could imagine, like, if you are an eternal, we will one day, because we will have resurrected bodies like his, but to come and be born in a fallen, weak human flesh. Like, to just, if he could wake up as a baby and go, what? <laughs> like, and look around and go, what? is this place. <laughs> I mean, willing to be, to be born in total dependency, like a baby in an animal stable. Oh. He's God. Let's remember that he's full of life. He created all of this. Right. 
the father, I mean, could have had him come on the scene in some large and magnificent way, right? Appearing like some majestic king, which he is yes. to be worshipped as. But the father's plan of redemption was for him to be born in this physical body that would be subject to death and decay. And to learn in dependency, like any child would. You're going to learn to eat, and you're going to learn to walk, and you're going to learn to you know, allow yourself to be dressed and learn to talk. Mm. Even though like you've created all of this, you, you, know, you are the creator <laughs> of every human being. You know how everything functions. You're going to have to learn all this in dependency on my will and the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because that's how he performed his miracles, through the help of the Holy Spirit. And he's, you're going, I mean, think about it. The father would say to him, you're going to experience all the limitations and the temptations right. that come with being in the flesh. <laughs> Why? So that he could fully understand our weaknesses and struggles and temptations that we go through in the flesh. He would have to experience them, right. them yet without sin. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but then the ultimate the ultimate outcome of his life, I mean, think about the will, the Father with Jesus. This is the ultimate outcome of this walk, this journey in the earth is going to be crucifixion oh. on a cross. You're going to be mocked and rejected. And you're going to die a death on the cross. It's going to pay for the penalty of the sins of the world. The people that are actually rejecting you, you're going to humble yourself before them and pay the penalty for their sins so that you could offer them life. What kind of humility is that that it would take for someone to do that? God himself to humble himself and go that low in weakness. And this is the foundation. I think when I read that story, I so often see that in the story, that this is the foundation of how we discover our salvation because it's built upon Jesus' humility. Amen. This is why so many can't understand it because you must come repenting of your you have to let go of yourself and empty yourself in the same way. So this is on our outline. The foundation for our salvation is born out of really G the power of Jesus' humility. That's right. There's the power, power in humility. It looks weak. It looks dependent and unable. But the greatest power, mm -hmm. you know, that the world's ever known, resurrection power, was born out of that humility. Wow. I mean, because really in the weakest moment of dependency on the cross, Think of what happened. Resurrection power. He goes into the grave because he stooped so low. That's right. Resurrection power yes. and burst forth. And that's what defeated the devil's grip of sin and hell and the grave. It was his blood, but it was also his humility. Yes. His willingness to surrender himself into the hands of God when it looked like you said, you mentioned the word mystery. Mystery. How many of us walk through life with some mysteries hanging in the back of our mind? I don't know about this, and I don't understand about that. And I thought it would turn out this way, and mm -hmm. it seems mm -hmm. to be going that way. Come on. And how many people walk away from God when those things happen in our lives? Because we don't understand. We, we, we really want control. See, this is the hard thing with humility and, and giving up control of our lives. But pride was the sin. You know, Come the on. Lucifer and the fallen angels, pride. The sin of pride is what brought the destruction into the world. It's what brought death and sickness yes. and violence and hatred. 
And God's plan of redemption was to, in order to break that power, would be to take the total opposite of it. From the height of pride, like Lucifer, you know, I, I, I will not serve no one, I won't worship. God would take the lowest form to defeat him. And it does, there's something about that we must understand in our walk in the earth. Because we struggle against mm-hmm. surrender and we struggle against humility. It looks too weak. It feels too dependent. And it's just opposite of Satan's thinking and strategy that we are bombarded with, the exaltation of self and yeah, the earth. Boy, are we not? <laughs> but yet, think about it. The Lord told the Apostle Paul that my strength in 2 Corinthians 12 is made perfect. How? In, in weakness. Oh, we don't want to go there. We all resist that. And so the devil, you know, he does his job. This is his strategy. He whispers to our hearts, you know, that don't show any weakness. You mm. don't have any mm. weakness. Don't certainly talk about any weakness that you might have. Pretend that you have it all together. <laughs> right? You don't have any need to repent of sin or ask anybody for forgiveness. That's too weak. Mm-hmm. Just on. be happy with you. You know, it's all about you. <laughs> He plays that out. He does over and over, does he not, to the human race, to, the, to our minds. But, it, but it, the problem is if we let pride rule us Come on. throughout our life, it'll be disastrous in the end. I mean, God built like into his creation the, the law that whosoever exalts himself will be brought low, right? right. But whoever humbles himself, surrenders, allows that weakness to, to work something that God is working in their life, will be what? Exalted. Yes. And so Jesus' humility, when I just look at the picture of his birth, I just think this humility is something that he's working the whole way through our walk of salvation. Because it defeated, it'll defeat pride, it'll defeat the power of sin and hell and the grave, even in our own life. That's it. It's, and this is what's so great is... It, remember in, in Corinthians, it says, not many noble of you, yeah, not many, right. you know, of high esteem. Yeah. You know, uh, there must be some kind of connection there between uh, somebody who is humble within their own view of themselves and ability to receive a Savior. And look what it says yeah, here yeah. in Luke chapter 10. Uh, and Jesus was, fi- this is after the disciples came back. And were casting out demons, healing the sick, and they were all excited. And this is what Jesus says. Then Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from the intellectuals and the worldly wise and for revealing them to those who are trusting as little children. That's powerful. This is a major key to our salvation. It's Mm -hmm. a major key for us to move forward in knowing God. Not knowing about Him, but knowing God. And this is, let me finish this. Jesus says this, yes, thank you, Father, for that's the way you wanted it. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Jesus' famous statement was, not my will, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
This is a kingdom principle. Look, this is found in Proverbs chapter 15. It says, in God's kingdom and ways, humility comes before honor. That's not what the world says. It's not what the devil says. The devil says, I'll exalt my throne above the stars. I would. No. Here's, here's a kingdom principle for all of us. We're all part of the family of God. Amen? Okay, so now this is a kingdom principle. We want to be able to dovetail our lives walking right out of this life into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, the principle is humility. See, God delighted in the humility of His Son. Therefore, He's going to delight in our humility. See, the Bible declares that we're being conformed to His image. And so maybe part of the problem that we have is because we keep hitting our head against the wall because we're prideful. Maybe if we just yield ourselves to God himself and humble ourselves, then things would go a little easier for us. If we would be able to advance. Mm -hmm. See, this is on our outline. This is what's so powerful here. Why did God choose shepherds? Why did he just choose a shepherd? He says it's because... God entrusted, entrusted the greatest news of the ages to the nobodies of the world. To the nobodies of the world. Mary, we talked about her. Mary came from a town, Nazareth. You know, that was a bad reputation. That town had a bad reputation. One of the disciples said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> it's amazing. Mary wasn't rich, she wasn't famous, she wasn't a priest's daughter, but yet God chose her because of her, what, humility. And she was willing to risk everything trusting God's promises. God entrusts the greatest news of the ages to nobody's shepherds. You know, at one point, shepherds had a high reputation. They were on top of the rung, so to speak, Moses, Abraham. But by the time that Jesus' time period that he came to this earth, they were the lowest on the social scale. They lived out of the cities, slept with their sheep, probably smelled like their sheep. They weren't wearing fine clothing out there. Let's face it. You know, you sleep outside. You're not wearing fancy clothes. They made little to no money. And there you go. They were on the lower rung of the social ladder. Maybe because they could see their need. And they didn't put on a front of pride. Yeah. This is on our outline. It says God chose shepherds because they would have a heart. They would have a heart to recognize the Savior. I think that's really important. And, you know, why did they have a heart to recognize the Savior? You know, I, I, think, I think it does have something to do with, you know, sometimes we, pe- people get upset and we, and there are a lot of injustices when you grow up in poverty or in, 
yes. a lower socioeconomic level. Mm -hmm. But it does seem as though God, in a paradoxical way, places a blessing, a potential blessing, on that plight. Because uh, this is on our outline. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus declared who to be the poor in spirit, he said, are the blessed ones. The people that are poor in spirit. Mm. And we just want to take a look at even what that means to be poor in spirit because it kind of it dovetails with this understanding of humility and what God is wanting to work inside of our own lives. I mean, if you go back a couple thousand of years and the day when the shepherds were common on the hillsides there in Jerusalem, it, there, it was a kind of caste system. You know, if right. you were born into a shepherding family, it was like, well, oh, well, that's just the way it is. You're born into this, accept it, too bad for whatever reason, and this is your lot in life. There was no protesting in the streets the way it is now, you know, give me my rights, and people just accepted sometimes the way and what they were born into. And there was this almost humility in it right. where people would just say, well, I don't know why, but this is who I am. And it wasn't said in a prideful way, but it was said in a humble way. But yet in that humility of heart, it allowed their heart to open up in a greater way to hear God's voice yes. because God's a humble God. I mean, this is why I think we see third world nations experiencing great moves of God right now in revival. Correct. And because they're, they're, there's a greater measure of humility in their hearts. Of we're not worthy, we don't deserve this. And mm -hmm. who were saved? You made us righteous. I want this gift. While here in America, we have all these empty seats in churches. Why? Because we just are so self-satisfied. Come we, on. Well, I don't really need all that. Maybe that's good for you, but I don't really need all that in my life. I'm a good person. Yeah. I'm pretty good on my own. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, ha have you seen that classic movie? Like every, I like to watch this, Not maybe not every year, but A Christmas Carol, one of the older versions of it. If you haven't watched it in a while, take time to watch yes. it. Yes. Classic movie, you know, the, the main character is Ebenezer Scrooge and his partner who died, Marley. I mean, who knew more about the things of God and the value of true life and had open hearts to hear and receive from God? Was it him, <laughs> a rich and powerful, a well-known Scrooge, <laughs> Marley, his partner, you know, who died and came back? Like in the, in the movie, he dies and he comes back to life. To warn him. <laughs> He's forever wandering the earth. It's like he's, he's in eternal condemnation. The man right. is like coming back from hell. And he's warning him, don't live the way we lived. Don't do it because you'll end up like me. You know, so did he learn from that? Who learned in that movie? Or was it, if you know the movie, Tiny Tim, Sickly, Poor, the Bob Cratchit family, who worked for Scrooge? But he was a humble man. When you yep. watch the movie, the man was humble. He was grateful for the little that he had, and he had very little. Who had the heart? Who had the bigger heart in that movie to open up Come on. and understand the true meaning of life? The rich and powerful who had it all? No. <laughs> Not until God, well, the way the movie goes. <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he had these three <laughs> spirits visit him back, the spirits past, present, and future of what his life was going to be like. 
I mean, it's like the fear of the Lord hit the man. Mm-hmm. And he learns really what life is all about. And then in childlike humility, he finds the true joy of, of what it's about. It doesn't really mention Jesus in the movie, but you could see because yes. the, the Cratchit yes. family is definitely a God-fearing family. And in the oldest version, I, I saw the oldest version this year, they're reading scripture right. in it. And I thought, this is, this is an awesome movie. But it was the childlike faith, but these people were, it was the childlike faith that was born out of weakness and humility. Not embarrassed about it, but right. just almost saying, this is who I am, but that person was willing to come to God. And then, you know. You know, really, go back to what Mary, when Mary was visiting Elizabeth, Luke chapter 1. If, yeah. Let's read this. Listen, listen to the humility here. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he is regard for the lowliest state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation, and he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imaginations of their heart, and he has pulled down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, here's the question. Does Jesus love the rich? Does he love the powerful? Oh, he does, yes. Absolutely. Of course he does. But you know what? The worldly riches are not going to impress God. Yeah. Not one bit. Fame on this planet is not going to impress God. As a matter of fact, he says, knowledge puffs up, puffs up. But what? Love edifies. Yeah. Love edifies. So what is God trying to do in our lives? He's trying to help us get rid of our ego. And really understand our deepest need. We don't need more material things. We don't need really more accolades. We act, the on. way we come to Christ and, and understand what we've been given is actually to recognize our spiritual poverty. Correct. Yes. Uh, you recognize I... Um, I don't deserve any of this. And this is the problem here in America. Everybody's shouting, I deserve whatever it is. You owe me. You owe me something, yeah. right? But a person, this is on our outline, a person poor in spirit more easily recognizes their spiritual emptiness. Yes. And a need for a savior. Hallelujah. So this is all a walk of humility to go in our, in our lowness, in our weakness, we find our help, our Savior. Mm. Because all of sin, Bible says all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no none righteous, no not one. Amen. Right? Everybody, rich, poor, and in between, whatever color, red, yellow, black, white, you know, we all come into the world with a sin problem. Yes. Even all your good works alone will never fix it. You could be the best person, you know, in this room, in this city. <laughs> In Pennsylvania, in the nation, like the best, like you're, you, you judge yourself the best. I mean, people, if you ask people, do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Because people base 
their understanding of the gospel still on their works. Many people will base it on their good works. Yeah, I think I will. I think I've been a pretty good person. When it's all said and done, mm -hmm. compared to most, but listen, your good works, no matter how noble they are and how many they are, they will never save you. Come on. There'll never be enough good works for you to reach heaven. That's for it. For me to reach heaven. Come on. You it's know. so true. I mean, the, in, when we come to Christ, you know, I think the, the, he displays himself like a babe in a manger, like basically destitute in obscurity because he, he helps us to understand that's really how we are to him without him. That we need him. Like he comes to us. He wraps yes. his arms around us. He mm. became weak so that he could wrap his arms around us and understand that weakness. Because we come to Christ empty-handed. Yes. It's like that old Billy Graham song, Just As I Am, Without, without one, one plea, plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Mm -hmm. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. It's very difficult sometimes for people to recognize their need, their spiritual poverty. That the Son of God, you know, had to empty himself in humility to become the Savior of the world. He had to empty himself to do that. Yes. And we come to him the same way. Like we come to him and we empty ourselves out before him and trust in his love and goodness. That when I give myself in, my, in weakness to you, that you are going to resurrect something. You're going to resurrect me. I will be born again. I'll be yes. born of your spirit. So surrendering in our life, can all, we, we resist it in the flesh. We always think defeat. If I surrender, if I give up, I'm going to lose. I'm going to come out on the, you know, on the weaker end of things. And then the devil, that's what the devil whispers to us. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. It won't work out. But when you look at the way, the, you look at our God of humility that we serve, you realize this is the path of salvation. Yes. This is the journey I walk. Yes. That he's teaching me always to go downward this Amen. way rather than I am so wonderful. He's always <laughs> leading us down to go low because Amen. he says, I'll exalt the person. There we go. The life that is willing to humble themselves in my sight. And it takes courage to do it. Yes. You just have to step out in faith and go, I trust these words, that the wor these words are true. Because the devil will just go right up to the very edge and talk to you right to the point. Don't do it. <laughs> you just have to tell him, shut up. Amen. <laughs> because the person that God takes notice of, Scripture says, is the one with a humble and contrite That's heart. That's right. He says that in Isaiah. And fears and, his word. And fears his word, right. Yeah. And so when we surrender and we become, you know, little in the sight of Almighty God, then he can do something with our life. He says, I'm going to take like the baby in the manger and yes. make it one day great. <laughs> and the same with us. I could take this life that looks so insignificant and I'll, I'll put my hand of approval on it. I'll put my blessing on yes. it and say, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall see God. Hallelujah. I think, do we want it? Yes. And you have to tell him. You have to be willing. I mean, this is about God. He's a perfect gentleman. He waits for your response. You must communicate personally to him and say, Jesus, I want this in my life. Or he waits. You might think maybe I did it. It might be in the back of your mind <laughs> that you're thinking you did it. But I would encourage you this morning to do it in a way, a definite way. Mm -hmm. Even as we close out this service. Do you think we'll sing Prince of Heaven?
like to? I think we should. As we close out this service, we were going to sing Prince of Heaven again. It's such a beautiful song. It'll just come up. Think about it. You know, we are so used to privilege here in the United States. You know, and the truth of the matter is, I go this direction, it sounds harsh, but the truth of the matter is none of us deserve anything but to die in our sin and be sent to hell for all eternity. It's so hard for us in America to see that, but that's really the truth. It's harsh. But this is why the gospel is such good news. Because none of us have to go there. Amen. God's calling everybody to repent. He's just saying, come to me, bow to me, receive forgiveness from me, and I'll do something great with your life. To know him is to be great. Yes. Just to know him is to be great. And so let's just stand up. We're going to sing one time through this song, and then uh, then we'll come up and close out. Okay.
Because we want to be repulsed by pride because that's the nature of our enemy but we want to humble ourselves and we want to acknowledge you as our Savior we want to acknowledge you as you are the one and you are the only one that can forgive our sins you are the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except by you If you're here today and you have not humbled yourself before the Savior and you're ready to give your life over, not just part of your life, all of your life, are you ready to give your full life over to Jesus? Now again, he's saying count the cost because he's going to show you areas of your life that you have to change. He will empower you to do it. Is there anyone ready to give their life completely over to Jesus that has not done it? Anyone at all in this place? Today's the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not later on this afternoon, today, right now. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that you've revealed a view of heaven today that we are going to embrace, that we as a church are going to walk in. The character of our Savior, the character of our God, humility. We worship you, Lord, and thank you for it.